Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. I'm Ryan Sir. Don Helbig is out tonight. He's not feeling very well. So I've got David Detling, the owner of the Attractions Group, sitting in. It's episode 43. We've got a very special episode for you today. Um, or so you say. Or so I say. Yeah, that's a common story that I use. Um, the uh, Remember the Follow the Attractions Group podcast on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. If you're watching the video version, then congrats to you. But if you prefer the audio, search for us on your favorite audio podcast apps like Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so on. Um, and uh, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast on YouTube. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we are locking down some different sponsorship opportunities. So shoot us a private message on Twitter if you're interested in uh, in doing that. But we got some really cool packages going on. So give us a shout. So without further ado, like I said, it's me and my friend David here. Uh, David's been on the podcast two other times. Uh, he was on the previous episode with, uh, you know, just some guy named Eric Bischoff, a <laughs> WWE guy. Hall of Famer, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah, just some guy that, that he hooked us up with. So thank you for doing that. That was that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Good storyteller. Uh, we could have went on for a couple hours of those conversations just with those stories that he has accumulated over a number of years. Uh, just a very intriguing individual. Yeah, absolutely. It was su- it was quite an honor because, like, I've always thought that guy was – I always liked the bad guys in wrestling. So I the fact that that was going to come out and if he was going to be Eric Bischoff – the character or Eric Bischoff, the person in the, in the, because uh, when we were doing, doing, talking around before the, the conversation started, before the podcast started, he, he had a little, some attitude. And I thought, Hmm, I wonder if this is what the, uh, what the podcast is going to be like. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, so what you guys didn't see that watched or listened to last week's episode is that, uh, David and I logged on and then Eric Bischoff logged on and, you know, Don, we, we recorded a little bit earlier than usual. So Don, you know, had to get home from work like a normal person. And, uh, he logged on about five minutes after us and Eric, as they call, if you guys are wrestling fans out there, he cut a promo on Don saying, do you think I have time to just sit there and wait for you? So, <laughs> so it, it was a really fun, uh, fun podcast, you know? Uh, so that's episode, um, was it 42? Yeah, it was episode 42. So make sure you check our back catalog if you haven't yet. So those of you who don't know, um, the Attractions Group, uh, the, the company, the Attractions Group, uh, that came from the ashes of Amusements and Attractions, which was a company that I owned doing PR, social media, things of the like. Um, early on, I met David. Uh, and then David, uh, after I, you know, the pandemic hit, my stuff started to fall apart. David took the ball and ran with it, created the Attractions Group. Um, but with Amusements and Attractions, our original product was a, um, it, it was like a loyalty program for FECs, you know? And to be clear, we're not trying to sell anybody on this. This isn't a product we have. What we wanted to discuss today was the, you know, loyalty programs on a small scale, like with FECs and the value to them and how to properly implement them. Mm-hmm. So what are your initial thoughts when it comes to what we learned from you know, the loyalty program stuff? Uh, it, it's not hardly used at all in the family entertainment center space. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's only used just modestly in even the theme park space. Uh, I believe right now, I found I could be mistaken, but I think Six Flags is the only uh, park operator with a functioning loyalty program, at least to the level that they have it right now. I could be mistaken, but I right. believe that is that is the case. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I know that uh, Cedar Fair is rolling out past perks, uh, but that's well into its infancy. And uh, the program doesn't quite make sense yet, but from what I understand, it's going to you know, when it comes to fruition, we're going to understand more about you visit more and you, you earn more. So, um, you know, the, the basics of it is, you know, you want to drive attendance, whether it's at an FEC, uh, an arcade or a theme park, uh, as well as drive spending activities within the facility right. by doing this. And what we were kind of working with was, you know, you earn points on, on, on several different levels. Right. You, you show up, you earn some points. You play games, you earn some points. You buy food, you earn some points. And it basically is those things. You have to make it fun. You have to make it interesting. And you have to make it lucrative. And I remember the, what was the terminology you used? I, I know exactly what you're going to say <laughs> when it came to the, the payout rewards. Uh, oh, you asked me that too fast. It was uh, low, high perceived value, low cost. That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, high perceived value, low cost. So even things like the fast pass and stuff like that, Costs the company pennies. 
if anything. And what it is is to drive per capita spending when you go into whether it's a family entertainment center or an amusement park or a zoo for whatever the, the venue may be, it is to, to drive incentiv- or and incentivize guests to spend that extra dollar. One okay. more dollar just to, to, to increase that uh, viability and you reward them by just low cost things. I believe you could do a behind this, if you're a theme park, you could do a behind, behind the scenes tour of a roller coaster with employees that are already working, they're already getting paid, they're already on the clock and walk a group of people that achieve this status behind to watch a roller coaster go down the hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything. Right, yeah. So it costs you a few dollars in labor when somebody could potentially be doing something else, potentially. Right. But uh, besides that, it's it's not, I mean, because you could charge $100 for that tour, but mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't cost $100 to put on the right. tour. You know, it's uh, it costs little to nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's why mm-hmm. when, you, when you do this stuff, it, it all comes down to um, a lot of the intangibles are really important. You know, you mentioned behind-the-scenes right. tours, the, the fast passes. Um, one thing that I remember from uh, past perks, which was a Cedar Fair thing. Now, is that still in ago. existence? Are they still working with it? I know they rolled it out because I've come across it on the app a few times, but I, I, I haven't been. A so past perks, past perks was a, was for one year, and then okay. it went away. Uh, and then recently, I, I'm sorry, not past per, past perks is the current one. Fun perks. Fun, one, fun uh, perks was the one ago. from 2010 ish or so. Uh, 2012. 2012. That's how old I am, guys. But anyway, um, but uh, I, one of the things that I remember was if you made a purchase, sometimes you would get a coupon for 15% right. off or so, which would drive further spending. And I don't know what the margins are on theme park stuff or arcade stuff, but I imagine they're up there. Mm-hmm. We don't get to have these nice things by not making any money, you know? Right. So, and, and the genius of those is that, uh, at least if you have a dashboard, and Fun Perks was rolled out uh, at, at a time before apps were really prevalent. So it was, right. it was a not even web-based so much. You could look at look your results up on on the uh, website, and that was the first time, honestly, uh, full disclosure, that we'd ever really spent money in the parks. As a, as a season pass holder, we would we would eat before we came, and then uh, go do our deal at the park, and then eat afterwards. We we rarely ever spent money in the parks, and that was the first year, honestly, that we spent money in the park and just watching that little roller coaster go up the hill. Mm-hmm. And oh, we get the, the 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 cotton candy this time. We get the popcorn this time. Yep. And it's just a way to just draw money out of the, in the wallet that uh, that we wouldn't have done otherwise. It made spending money fun. You know, I, I hate to say that, but you know, when when mm-hmm. you know, if I visit twice this weekend, I might get up to the next the level four as opposed to level three. Of course, me being like the loyal, you know, theme park guy that spends a lot of money, mm-hmm. I maxed out the whole program by like the <laughs> middle of June or so. Um, but I, I I bet if. Um, you know, if that stuck around, it would be a really cool program. But it seems like um, nowadays with uh, with meal plans and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of like season long products that um, there's a lot less relevance with that. But let me brainstorm with you. Sure. So, see, we're not running on a script, ladies and gentlemen. We're, no, we're actually just we're not. just having a conversation right now. Um, but so if you were going to implement a loyalty program for, let's say, a small scale theme park. So think like... Um, like an FEC with an outdoor section. Sure. So it has rides okay. and stuff, um, but there is a meal plan or there uh, there are like, you get season long mm-hmm. parking and whatever. So we're not talking about Disney World, but we're not talking about just an arcade. We're, we're in the middle, anywhere in that place. Where would you have the value adds? The, the value as in? As in the, the payoff. Like where, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Let me let me backtrack that a little bit. No, I think I know where you're going with that. Yeah. Uh, because we, we did talk about this. In, in full disclosure, this was, I didn't realize until this afternoon Don wasn't going to be here. And, and, and by the way, we'll just get here, and I'm thinking, are we going to do a dry run? No, we're going to go right into it. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, so. We don't scripted. do dry runs here. <laughs> well, for the person that's only been in the third chair twice, I would I would have thought that we would have had a dress You're, you're doing great. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> no, so I, I, I knew that was going to come up. And I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to try to drill through my head a, a real-time scenario. Right. So in, in between a couple of things I was doing today, I got a calculator out. And, and we'll just go with um, a, a, an FEC with an outdoor plate or outdoor area like you okay. mentioned. And in the calculation I did, and I don't remember the – I remember the the numbers and the end result, but I don't remember how, how I times everything out. Just assume that the, the, the FEC would have 2,000 guests come in per month. Sure. Now, that's a small one. That's probably more, and that, that, that assumes there's no crossover. There's no people that come twice. That's just 
2,000 2000 uniques. People. Let's say right. that. And the goal of that was to get those people to spend five just five dollars a month more than they would have bought otherwise. Mm -hmm. And uh, I better check my math on this because I, I <laughs> want to make sure I get that right. But if you were to take two thousand people spending five thousand additional dollars per month, now I, I might have had two thousand five hundred people. I don't remember the exact numbers because I'm going off of memory. But it was an equivalent to twelve thousand five hundred extra dollars per month to the FEC. Right. And when you not multiply that out, uh, assume you go for a full year in those results, some some higher, some lower, some months, it's an extra one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the ownership of that FEC. That's the win. Also, you have people sign up for it. On, if it's app-based especially, you get uh, data that you wouldn't normally have. When mm. people come in the door, you have birth dates. You now have their spending habits sometimes, depending on how, how you track certain things inside the, the, uh, the location. But you have all sorts of analytics that you can use to market to that. You can see that the, well, Tommy really likes the, the, uh, the, the cotton candy reward. So you drive things to encourage certain behavior. And the, the, uh, the win on that is... You get the analytics first of all. You can uh, find out when they visit, when they don't. You can send them notifications and push notifications when they don't visit, and then, of course, the financial reward of one hundred fifty thousand that that you can use to invest in new games or a new attraction or or repairs or, or a new new staff member. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know when we talk about that, let's let's move up to uh, a theme park that has like a meal plan. Okay. Uh, with a decent season pass base, so people are parking for free, they're entering for free, and they're eating. They're not eating and parking for free. They prepaid for right. it. Let's be clear. Um, but where do you think you would have, like, where what would be the drivers? Would it be if you buy merchandise? Like, wh where do you think people would have to spend money, or the activities they would have to do in order to gain points? Would it just be attendance? Or it depends because on the, now the things are more app based and the, the dashboards can be controlled not necessarily by the developer of the app. It can be the, the, arranged by the individual park or location. You can set different rewards for to encourage whatever behavior you have right. or you want to encourage. If you have a bunch of stock of uh, t-shirts and it's coming down to the end of the season, well then you place a higher priority on on uh, if you buy a, a shirt instead of five points that you received earlier in your season, now you get 10 points. Or mm -hmm. if you have food you need to get rid of, or the, the water park has a, has, has a slow day, but you've got food that's spoiling, you can, you can definitely push notifications out to get a dollar off or whatever sure. the deal may be. But you can use it to drive whatever spending behavior that you want to see come through through your guests. Yeah, I completely agree. And if you look at episode two, of the podcast, we talked about the perfect theme park mobile app. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that uh, involved, uh, you know, there's value to the guests because information is key with this stuff. You know, and an app can solve a lot of problems. I'm sorry, what was that? I said an app can solve a lot of problems, yes. you know, using technology. The lines are too long. Well, the app can tell you how long the lines are. And hey, we haven't ridden that yet. And it's only got a 15 minute wait. Right. You know, you can use that to improve your day. I don't know what time the show is. The app knows that. You know, I don't know how to get to this place. The app can show you that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it, even that, like just app adoption, is a huge value when it comes to these loyalty programs and stuff. And you're right. I mean, um, one another thing that you said, you know, Billy comes. He loves the the cotton candy and stuff. Well, you also have the data of Billy came three times last month and he hasn't been here in six weeks. Right. Well, let's nudge something to Billy and see yeah. what's going to get him in the park. You and know. then you can experiment things and to find out, okay, he hasn't been here in six weeks or however long it has been. You send him some notifications out to try to draw him back in and find out this worked on this particular person. Right. And you have that data. Yeah. You know, that's that's the most Sometimes important. there's there's more data than, than the theme park and definitely some FECs can handle. Sure. Uh, it would be something that would be really fun for a marketing director or, or something within the park system to look at the data, but the, the I'm sure that it would just be overwhelming for some, uh, a playground for some, but uh, overwhelming for a number. It would be, um, and data collection, it, it's funny because there's three types of people. There's a type of person that doesn't have the data, doesn't know what to do with it. And I think that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's even people within marketing. There's people that are really good at getting the data, but not so good at interpreting it. Right. And then there's people that are really good at interpreting it. They may be good at getting it too, but um, you can't replace data-driven decisions. You make the decision because that's what the data says. Right. And it's not something you have to go out and and pay an organization to come in and do every time that you want the the information. You have the app. It, it's it's at your fingertips. You push a button. You you run a query on your on your system. You get the information right away. 
Right. And even if you did want to go to like, um, like a third party, like if you were like, okay, I'm going to make a big decision. Like, let, let's say those like SBF visa spinning coasters that they're mm -hmm. putting in all the FECs. Let's say you're a small to mid and you're like, I want to put this in, but it's, I don't know what, it's $750,000, big investment for, for a, mm -hmm. a location that size. I don't know if I would draw enough to have an ROI on it. Is this going to sink me? If you have the data, then having it analyzed, like making that investment, mm -hmm. would probably be cheaper than having them collect the data for you. Right. Um, but you know, it's uh, it, one of the things that, like, one of the life advices that there's a guy named Bill Mefford, who you know is mm -hmm. like kind of my mentor. Um, but he was telling me he worked with the Hard Rock Park. You know, okay. he was part. He was a, a like VP of communications just for their grand opening, and once they opened, he was done. But um, he's like, I, I I talked to him extensively about this stuff about like. You know, it was there for a year and then it went bankrupt and then it opened for another year and then it was just done. Like, how do they get that wrong? And he said, Ryan, the dirty secret to marketing is that you bring in a consultant and their job is to tell you you're right with what you're thinking. So they brought in people and they said, you know what? All you have to do is get a per capita spending of $60 a person and draw 45,000 people per, per year and you're totally going to make a few dollars. And that was just unobtainable, mm -hmm. you know? So the data that they fed them wasn't incorrect. It was just, uh, they didn't say like, this isn't a good idea. That's not their job to do. Their job right. is to say, yes, this is possible and this is how. And then you're supposed to turn around and, you know, set emotions aside, set your excitement aside and say, well, can we really do this, you know? So, yeah. Um, you know, it, when it comes to, to loyalty programs, this is another thing that, that kind of pops in my head. You know, I go to Penn Station or, you know, Panera or whatever. Any other place that starts with P, I guess. Does Penn Station have a loyalty program? They do. They I do. think. I think they do. If, it did, if they do, it's new. I don't, I don't recall them happening. Well, so you know, I get a lot of instances where sub, it's... I, I love their subs. Uh, are I, they I, subs? Are they... Oh, they're subs. Are they? Penn Station? Yeah. East Coast subs. Got they're it. a yep. sandwich that's yep. long. What else do you need to be a sub? Okay. No, it's, it's in the name, uh, Penn Station East Coast Subs. Kind of forgot about that. Never mind. That, that's true. That's true. Fortunately, we can fact check that. <laughs> um, so, okay, when, when um, you know, you, you go to Panera or anywhere, it's like, do you have the Panera loyalty card? It's, I don't know. Put in your phone number and you put it in. Oh, yeah, we got you. Are you yeah. right? What would you do to avoid that? Where it's the loyalty program is simply costing you money because, oh, I have $5 in rewards. I didn't know and I don't care, but I'll take the $5 off. Uh, it depends, and this is, but this is something that's not quite as unattainable as it used to be. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going on some old numbers here, uh, but I recall back in 2014, I think it was, that, uh, and I don't remember when Starbucks came out with their app that you can actually put money on the app. Right. Uh, and, and this is another profit center in this also, and if, and if a family entertainment center or, or theme park can come up with this sort of scenario, it's a huge win. Right. Now, the 2014 numbers, I couldn't tell you what they are now, but I, I remember for whatever reason, a project we were working on, I had to know that number. Starbucks, you could put any number, any dollar amount that you wanted onto your to your app, and you just go up and you, you scan it, and they take the money out. Mm -hmm. At that time, in 2014, at any given time worldwide, Starbucks had up to, I believe the number was $4 billion, with a B, on that app at any given time. Some days it was lower, some days it was higher but it was some astronomical number. Now you think about earning interest in, in some sort of a deposit account and, and keeping that as a floating balance, what you're making on that. You're making money hand over fist annually just by having money on an account. But that, by the way, people sometimes forget they have in there. Oh yeah, I mean, they probably, I, I bet you a small but significant percentage of that, I'm thinking like up to 20% actually, uh, is probably, I've got 82 cents. That doesn't get me anything. So whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you pay with Apple Pay the next time or whatever. Right. Meanwhile, they're compounding that four point whatever mm -hmm. percent that they're yes. getting on it. You know, I mean, at the time, you know, it, I, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the weeds and stuff. But when it comes like, you know, you've got you can actually account that with like mark to maturity instead of mark to market because they they never really have to put out this money. Right. You know, because they've got the product and everything. So there's no account. You can't cash it out. Once it in, it's once it's in, it's in. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to see like like a bank run kind of situation on it where everybody wants their money out of Starbucks or whatever. Um, but yeah, they probably collect, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in interest per week, month. I don't know. I don't want to do the calculation. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, that's incredible. Um, somewhere on the comments section on the YouTube channel or whatever, someone's going to fact check me on that number. I think it was four billion. Yeah, yeah. No, our our, our listeners are very nice. They're not going to do that to you. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but but you do make a good point, right? Regardless of it, whether it's four billion or if it's two hundred fifty thousand, that's money that's sitting on an account right. collecting interest. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I, I I don't know this for a fact, but I'm relatively certain that there's something about it that's less expensive from a processing standpoint with that. So I, I know that with Kroger in the Cincinnati market recently started taking tap payments, Google and Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. They don't have it everywhere. In fact, I was right. up in Sandusky for Cedar Point and they didn't take it there. So and I had to go out to my car. Yeah, they do. Not in my neck. Of really? Place, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, all this. Cincinnati- I've, I've gone there with my uh, without a wallet sometimes. And then I got my phone to go to pay like, sorry, I've got a cart that I can't pay. Well, it's coming. <laughs> uh, Someday. I, I made that mistake up in Sandusky, but they said like company-wide it's going to have it. I was just at Kroger yesterday, and they had these signs up. But um, so Kroger has their own thing called Kroger. Pe- For those of you who are outside of the Midwest market, Kroger's a grocer. It's a, they probably own the grocery near you, unless it's mom and pop. But um, they um, – so, you know, you scan a QR code, and that is your loyalty points as well as, you know, the payment method. Um, the payment method is linked to a credit card or debit card. So they still pay that transaction fee, mm-hmm. but they really were, I know that Apple pay and, te- and Google pay cost a little bit more. It's a fraction of a cent, but when we talk about billions of dollars, right. it's a lot of money, you know, but, um, w- when they, they were trying to do that to save cost. And I think with Starbucks originally, and they may have backpedaled from this, you used to have to put in your ACH information. You know, your routing number and account number. It's been a while since I've said that. If I can well, say. Right, right. I mean, I'm, t- I'm saying when it first came out 10 years ago or yeah. whatever. So there's a, like a really low, like SG&A cost associated with doing that as opposed to, because, you know, Visa gets a cut and even Apple and Google mm-hmm. get a cut when you use their payment methods. That's what a lot of them are trying to avoid. But um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily viable for this. And in fact, the world's changed quite a bit. So, um, but, but having the declining balance uh, may actually save money. Yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Now, asking people to put in routing number and account number, no one's going to do that. Yeah, No one's going to do that nowadays. But, you know, you, know, you link your debit card and it's a little bit easier or whatever. Especially if you're sending your kid. That's another thing that we kind of discussed. You know, when we were talking about tier two loyalty programs, the next thing we wanted to do, and we didn't have the means to like implement this, so we mm-hmm. didn't really talk it up. But if you remember... The, the level two for this was going to be after the loyalty program's established, it's like, okay, you've got this card. Now, you know, Miss Smith can load $10 onto Billy's card right. when he goes, you know, to, to the arcade to use, and she doesn't have to give him cash. Or, right. well, I mean, everything's cashless now. That wasn't the fact of the time. But, um, you know, so that's another thing where it's kind of like, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind with the money. I mean, with Starbucks, you have to load a minimum of $10, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big pain point for a lot of people, but they do it, yeah. you know, because that's how you get not, your points. Not so much anymore when the coffee's $5. That only gets you two. Right, right. But the thing that, like, my girlfriend drinks Starbucks, not a lot. She's not like you, but um, <laughs> but uh, she drinks it a couple times a week. Yeah. You know, and she's like, oh, God, I don't have any money on my app, and I have to load $10. Because she doesn't want to load 10 because she's spending 10 when it costs her five, mm-hmm. you know, but she'll do it. Right. She'll do it because she's got no other choice because if she wants those right. points, because again, they can give you a coffee with a high perceived value of $5 and four. Right. My friend gets a coffee there with extra shots of whatever in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like retails for like $9, but you know, it costs right. them 38 cents maybe. And they'll give it to you for free after 12 drinks, after you right. spend a hundred dollars there or whatever. But what a lot of, I think what a lot of places get wrong is that they do the loyalty program that is you get in in coffee you get you order 10 times you get the 11th free right or 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 a family entertainment center that might have loyalty programs you visit 10 times you get some reward right and there's no there's no background change to that it's just based on one behavior right it's just a showing up basically yeah, yeah, and then so there can be a win. It can drive right. attendance, but at the same time, it's like, do you have a loyalty card? No. All right, what's your phone number? Okay, right. you get this one for free. It's like I was going to be here anyway. Yeah, you know. So, so that's one big thing to consider when you when you do these things. Yeah, they have to be marketed properly. Um, the problem it is tough to get people to download your app, especially um, if you, if you're. What's a good example? There was some place where they wanted me to 
set up an account to buy something and I almost didn't buy what was it was it was something like a Starbucks or like mm -hmm. something where like I go there once a year not a big right. coffee guy I go there once a year I don't want your loyalty program I don't want your account made it way too difficult yeah you know so you have the potential to lose people you know all this stuff is to, this are things that you want to discuss you want to brainstorm um, one of the things, I mean, uh, in, you know, again, this is not an interview. This is a conversation. So this is why we can go off topic. But um, so the Kmart near my house lasted until um, about right before the pandemic. Okay. So when wow. everybody else is, yeah, I mean, we we also had a, one of the last ones had to have been. It was us and then one on the west side. Of, so I'm in northern Kentucky, one on the west side of Cincinnati. Okay. Was where the wow. last two in the market. Now I think there's three left. But I remember... The, the, like and, and trust me this will have relevance but um one of the reasons i used to go there and just like you know i'd walk around for nostalgia every couple months or whatever because i knew this was a blue light special yeah yeah i don't know if they did that it was they brought it 80s. back after a, like they had it and then it went away and then they brought it back like with the sears merger and ah. and then it went away again and uh, anyway but i so everyone's gonna be like you know what this is a good deal i'm gonna buy it so I would grab something and then I'd see that there's like three people in line at the register and be like, yeah, I'm not buying this. Yeah. Because I'm not going to wait. And the right. reason why is because their transaction time was way too long. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you this because I remember this. All right. Do you have a membership, uh, a membership number? It's like the Sears, whatever they called mm -hmm. it. I don't know. Put in your phone number. Do you have any other number? Uh, Are you Ryan? Yeah. Okay. Beep, beep, beep. Do you want to round up for whatever charity they were supporting? Yeah, sure. Okay, go ahead and hit that. Okay, is it debit or credit? It's uh, it's credit. Well, then hit credit. No, I'm sorry, hit cancel. That was the old thing to do. Now it shows yeah. it on the screen, but it used to be hit cancel. Okay, now swipe your card again. Okay, hit cancel again. You're putting me to sleep with this process. R right, right. So, so literally, if somebody was buying a candy bar, it was like two minutes. Yeah. You know, and then with, and people would give up in line, you know, I, I, like sometimes, you know, the transaction, pro if you see somebody with a cart full of groceries, it's going to be a while, but you get it. If somebody's buying like a pair of shorts and it's just like, do you have the loyalty number? Do you have this? Do you have that? It, it just, it goes way too long. In you know? some places, quite honestly, you know, I'll say where a, a drugstore, it's one of the, one of the local ones here in Cincinnati, I won't, I won't mention which one. Every time I go to check out something, they always ask, are we are part of their perks rewards or what are the program is? Right. And to be honest, I, I've had so many phone numbers just in the last five years. Because you soon you'd switch from Verizon, well, it wasn't Verizon at the time, but the Verizon, AT&T, or to T-Mobile, or to Sprint, right. they had to change numbers. It's only been a recent thing that they could port the numbers over. And when I say recent, within the last 10 years. Right. So on any given place, because you've been to the CVS or the Walgreens, uh, any number of times over the last decade, they probably have any number of 10 numbers of mine. And when it, when it comes up to what, what's your phone number? I don't know. I try this number. Okay. And try this number and to be quite honest, the ones where I do go, whether it, uh, it could be a hardware store or a drugstore or whatever, you give them their loyalty number. I've never seen any, anything so much as a, an email from them, a notification, or we get stuff from them at least a couple times every other week. Right. I've never seen any, any kind of reward from it. So I, it, okay, we're getting the inf giving the information to them, but we're not really getting anything back. So I think a lot of places have the loyalty program, but don't do anything with it. Yeah, it, it can definitely be a drainer. It can yeah. be something that costs you money. And I think I know um, the, the company you're talking about, and I'll, I'll neglect to, to mention their name too, but one thing that I have noticed, and I, I kind of brought up this example earlier, was sometimes I'll go there, and I go there because I'm going to go there no matter what, mm -hmm. not because the loyalty program. Right. And I, I buy... You know, 24 pack of Coke Zero, way better than Diet Coke. Um, and they're like, Do you have the, you know, I put in my number. No, you want another one? I put in my old home phone that hasn't been around in 10 years. Okay, you've got a 250 reward. So it just cost them $2.50 a margin for something that I was going to buy anyway. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a good example of what not to do. You know, so having a culture around it is really important too. You know, um, but the thing though is you have to have a plan where even if you have the best loyalty program, it's just going to drain your resources unless you do it right. Because mm -hmm. it can push the behaviors, but it's not autonomous. You know, it's not AI. Right. It's not going to do... I mean, AI will be involved, I'm sure, within by the end of this conversation. But um, it's uh, it's one of those things where you have to decide what direction you want to go with this. 
you know, and okay, we're going to give rewards. If you spend this much, you get this much back. We got to make sure that people know this. So it, it affects the behaviors, right. you know? So, oh, two fifty. Hey, I got two fifty off at, at, at uh, the local drugstore. I'm going to get my drinks there and then I'll pick up some other stuff too, rather than put in your phone number. Hey, you got two fifty off. You want to use it now? I mean, that, and I think that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I think that that's, that's a huge drain of resources. And if anything, um, it just, again, slows down the transaction process, you know, which hurts, mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of ways. Okay. So David, you know, you and I have researched together loyalty programs quite a bit. We, you know, we talked about driving the behaviors and, you know, uh, what makes them work, what makes them fail. You know, we, we discussed a lot of scenarios where loyalty programs are, they're just drags on resources. Right. They cost money. You know, they, they expand transaction time. What are some things that you would tell somebody that runs like a small FEC, maybe just like an arcade, mm -hmm. um, that wants to do this, but wants to make it successful? Like they basically have a framework of a loyalty program, but you know, the things that you would put around the program right. in order to, to make it so it actually drives the behaviors that you want it to drive. I think number one would be you don't just set up. There's no end date on it. Right. Is that you set it up and now if you want to go this route, you're you're kind of married to it. Right. You have to uh, believe in it. You need to make sure that you, uh, whenever you achieve this goal, you, you're setting the next one, or actually you're setting the, the next goal before you hit the the one before, and to to make sure that uh, your staff number one is trained on it. They know how it works. Mm -hmm. So when any person comes up, uh, any guest comes up and asks a question about the loyalty program, they don't need to have to sift through five people on the staff to get to an answer. Right. Make sure the training is is, uh, is sound on it. And also, you need to market it. Mm -hmm. So that the guests, when they come in, they know that uh, what they need to do to be able to uh, uh, gain points and, and how they get to the next level. You just make sure communication, not just for, for the guests, but for the staff as well. And that there's no end date to it. You, you, it, once you start it, it's not like, oh, great, we got a loyalty program, now it's going to run. You, you need to c continue uh, training on it, and when you think you've trained your staff uh, when you're done, you need to train them again. Make sure they, uh, they live it, they breathe it, they, that's it they can, it's a second language to them at the workplace. I agree, and um, also I would contend that training the customers, right. you know, the, the customers need to learn too. Right. You know, uh, and, and again, what I'm trying to avoid is... Like, hey, I want a $25 game card. Uh, you've got $5 off. Okay, then uh, here's 20 I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, so what are some ideas? Like, it just, just spitfire to me ideas around training the customer to making sure that, that they know what drives the points and the redemption. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are some ideas that you would have just well, off the top of your head? The, the points can change, by the way. A successful loyalty program is that you, you change the, the drivers, what, the, what drives the behavior, but uh, you can have signage be it on a screen or static sign uh, mm -hmm. that, that just explains about, or you can you can get your phone out. Loyalty programs don't have to be app-based. They can be web-based, right. that you can get the QR, they can scan it, they can sign up that way. And uh, so just to make sure that uh, every time they turn around, there's a, there's a reminder of what they're doing. And those, those incremental costs are small. But right. it's just a matter of making sure that uh, not around every corner, you don't want uh, the guests to be you know, bludgeoned by it every time they, they turn around the corner, but so that it's always a constant reminder that this is something that is offered to you. They don't have to know that it's, it's all there to, to drive incremental spending or per capita, but it's just something that continually reminds them in a marketing sense that uh, they're rewarded for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I agree. What are some ideas as far as like, you know, I've got the loyalty card to Jim's Arcade or whatever. Um, I haven't been there in a few weeks they want to drive the behavior of me coming back. Would you do mailers or email? Like what, what in today's world would be the ideal to do that while implementing the loyalty program? That is what comes back with the data because how you market to that person depends on the age. Mm -hmm. uh, now, if, if you're my age, you might slip it in the mail. Right. Uh, and send a mailer. Telegraph. Uh, if, you, if you're, yeah, <laughs> Western Union. Uh, <laughs> but if, if you're someone that is 13, you know, whatever age a student has a, 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 a smartphone, you're going to commute with them, communicate with them differently. And uh, it might be somewhere, some in their 20s and 30s, you'd send an email to them. But uh, when you're getting under 20, you don't even do email. They they have, uh, you can uh, ping them by, I don't know, text message might be 
might be a little intrusive, but at the same time, you do have those analytics when you have them sign up. You put whatever fields you want in the in the queries that the, for the information you want. It can be email, it can be a cell phone, it can be uh, a Snapchat uh, address. Is that correct? I don't have Snapchat, by the way. But is that is it an address? Is that what it's called? So Snapchat is more. You can't. You can market to people on Snapchat, but it's more like you could buy okay, ads. Bad and, idea. Okay, but but you can buy ads and you can you can target people that way. But I mean that comes down to the data as well. You know, yeah. if you don't know who's visiting your your arcade, your FEC, right, you your can, park, you can do you know. it in MySpace. That's not no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, do it through uh, Instagram ads or, um, or or through Facebook ads. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, data is key. Uh, mm -hmm. So the more data you collect, the right. more you're able to target it. And also, you know, implementation of the data. And sometimes there are fallacies when it comes to, and I'm speaking to the choir for those of you who are marketing people out there, but if, you know, I, I think it was like maybe Lowe's or Home Depot, they spent a ton of money on, on a, um, a uh, like a marketing, uh, like evaluation from a third party and the the company came back and they said the people that don't shop at your store say that the signage isn't very good so they spent all this money putting in this is where the drills are this is where the hammers are this is where the paint is it didn't move the needle an inch why did it not move the needle an inch because the people that shopped there knew where stuff was the people that didn't shop there yeah i don't know where anything is so there's a fallacy with that so with that being said when, when you know when it's like oh we do really well with 14 to 17 you don't necessarily have to market to them right. you know it's a lot of it is like well if we're going to try to do 21 to 25 and have like happy hour like a lot of places are doing that now right. that would be a good like growth opportunity you know you don't want to market to the people that are going to be there anyway and you don't want to market to the people that aren't going to come no matter what so your 65 and older crowd probably aren't really going to do uh, do great with your with your arcade. But uh, the noise would be too loud, but they wouldn't hear it anyway. That's a little ageist, but okay. <laughs> All right, he's kidding. I swear, no cancellation. He's kidding. Uh, that's right. I'm 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 approaching that age. I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> exactly. My, my most common question is what. So yeah, I'm 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 uh, joking at myself. He learned that from his kids. They're like, what, Dad? <laughs> anyway. All right, David, do you have any final thoughts, uh, words of wisdom that you wanted to share that didn't come up when it comes to loyalty programs? No, honestly, for loyalty programs, for me, and I'm a data person, I like data. I like being able to uh, get any kind of information, any kind of data analytics I can get to make a data-based decision. And when I, social media was, my last stop as a marketing director, as, as a W-2 employee, social media wasn't, wasn't even a thing yet. And uh, it's, well, social media, it, it was, but uh, marketing through it wasn't. And in that time, I was a one-person marketing department for the organization I worked with. Now, in, in basically, we did everything was, was mailers and email and, and mm -hmm. website. That was pretty much the extent of it. And that's just about the time when you could do ads on Facebook. When that was mm -hmm. just started, you could do Google AdWords. You could do Google Buzz, which that tells you how long ago right. that was. Right, that was a while ago. And uh, that was before even Google Plus, which is no longer a thing. So there are so many tools out there now, and there's so much data that, is, that could be in the marketing department's fingertips that seriously, I, I, I think there's a lot of organizations that have access to all this data, but they, they, this is an indictment. This is just a reality. They don't know what to do with all of it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just data that can, can sit on the shelf. And if you're, a, if you're a small family entertainment center, if you're a smaller park, that data is just as accessible to you, but might even be easier to, to navigate through because there's not so many channels and, and the volume of people. Right. But it, it is, uh, if I were to say one thing, and again, we're not trying to sell loyalty programs because we're not doing that anymore. Right. But uh, it is a great way to try to figure out how to get who your guests are, who your average guest is, to figure out where the trends are, what, what makes them tick, what makes them go, and, and what causes them to, to uh, what would cause them to spend a dollar more each time they visit, or two dollars more each time mm -hmm. they visit, and, and like we, we don't do this anymore. But hey, we'll, anyone who wants to talk about it, we'll, we could talk for hours on it. Shoot us a private message. We're <laughs> yeah. happy. To, we're happy to have that discussion with you. Right. Yeah. With that being said, I, I don't know how much water this holds with the audience, but if I inherited an arcade or theme park, something like that today, and I was like, I'm going to take over marketing loyalty program, will be one of the first things I would explore. I Wouldn't agree. necessarily be appropriate, but it would be. That's one thing that I really do believe in. 
I think that if done right, it can be very valuable. I agree. You know, if you just incrementally, everybody spends three more cents. Well, if you draw a million people. Right. Yeah. It, it adds up. <laughs> you know. And the calculation I did before is if you if you have 2,000 guests, which is a small location. I mean, it, yeah. you have to be pretty small to just do 2,000 people. And I don't, I don't remember why I picked that number. But if you just get them to spend five more dollars per month, at the end of the year, it's 150000 Right. And that's, that's a, a small location. I'll just take that same number and multiply that out. Uh, I believe when Kings Island had that loyalty program, which we, hadn't, we didn't spend money at the park before that, and you had to spend money to get that. So every time we went to the park, instead of spending zero, we would spend 10 or we would spend 15 or we would spend 20. Now, I think at that time, and the, these numbers are probably way off. Don't fact check me on this, but I believe at that time they had 300,000 people in their annual pass roster at that time. That, that could be. I, that's a ballpark number I've heard for, number. for I, years. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't know how accurate that is, but it's probably pretty close to that. So you take five extra dollars per visit and you multiply that by 300,000. You're really talking about a lot of, I mean, that, a complete incentive to do something uh, by economies of scale. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and also it's it's a snowball effect too. Right. If one member of a group, oh, I really want to go to, you know, Bob's FEC because I got five dollars off. You might bring four friends, you know. Right. Right. So so sometimes it snowballs. All right, cool. Well, that's this has been a, a very interesting conversation. Completely different, a lot less scripted, and I figured we wouldn't need something like that because we've had this discussion for the past <laughs> eight years. But yeah, but we've never had a camera rolling. So we, we've got three camera rolling. Cam, cam, three three cameras rolling this time. So if you're listening to the audio version, we love you, but you're missing out because we're both really <laughs> handsome. All right. With that being said, yes. it's time for the segment that everybody was waiting for, and it's called the Pick, pick Six. six. All Sorry, right. Don. Don did not get to pick any of these six, so he's not being held responsible for this. I didn't either. It's all, no. Okay, this is all me. All right, so story number one. This came out just as I was writing the pick six earlier today, but Universal Studios reveals more information on Minion Land at Universal Orlando. I saw the the, uh, the headline of that, and it's appearing over the uh, the Simpsons ride, I believe. It's right across the... the the, the street, or not street, but the, across the midway from that. Is that correct? Um, I think the back of it might be. Um, lo- I'm looking at the article right now. It's going to have a Minion Cafe uh, in true theme park ideology with themed food, uh, with honeymoon soup. I. The image that they supplied looks like avocado. You know, but it looks pretty cool. Um, and then there's Minion Banana. There's a, there's a quintessential Minion Banana experience with some flavored popcorn. Flavored popcorn for bananas. I guess you have to be a minion to appreciate that. But um, Minion Land will also come with a new attraction called the Villain Con Minion Blast. It's an interactive gaming experience where guests compete against each other with blasters. That's pretty cool. Um, I I don't have a lot of information on that yet. Uh, they already have Men in Black, not that far from this, but the um, the shooter experience is very popular when it comes to. Uh, to dark rides nowadays and the parks in Florida make it really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I know men in black is really fun and this is 30 years later. So, yeah. so this, this will be really cool. <laughs> a lot of people writing don't even know what the men in black was. Yeah. Yeah. Or they haven't seen the original cause they, they come sure. out with them up until a few years ago. But um, yeah. So uh, minions is, is an extraordinarily popular IP and they have that one motion based ride. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is fine, but it, it doesn't complement, it doesn't utilize the IP enough. Uh, so I, I believe that um, that uh, that's going to stay. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's going to stay. That's that's across from Midway from where they're looking at now. But uh, kudos to Universal Orlando. Um, they're always building. The, they got a whole new park being built, and mm-hmm. they're still doing this. Yeah, I, I wonder if when the new park is done, that some of the uh, some of the attractions from the studios and the islands of adventure will make their way over there because if not they're starting it seems like they would be starting a, a park that would compete with their existing parks in, in well some form. they well maybe there, there probably is some cannibalization but i think if anything it complements it sure. uh, so i've got a friend that works for universal and he's like a he's like a mid-level manager not marketing or anything like that but the way he described it to me at least their mentality like 10 years ago was they know that they're not going to take Disney people away or at the time they did. This could have changed because mm-hmm. it's a whole other game now, but they were like, if somebody was going to spend five days at Disney and two days at universal, 
if they can get one of those days away from Disney, that's their goal. And that's a lofty goal because that's still a lot of people. Um, but, you know, opening a third gate, a third dry park gate, well, fourth gate overall, they might be trying to go head-to-head eventually. And, and they're putting a lot into this I think they're area. putting some pressure on there because there, there's even rumblings that, that we heard years ago, eh, not quite a decade ago, but it cooled off for a long time. But now Disney's even talking about uh, creating another gate. There's not a lot of it. It's more rumor right now. But so it, one of the yeah, it's, it's, the it is rumor. But so the, where that came from was with they're they're in that they're clashing with Governor Ron DeSantis and Disney's board before it was outgoing before DeSantis's friendly his board came in. Mm-hmm. They came up with a charter and there was something mentioned in it about the ability to open another gate, but it was like the time frame was like ten years from now starting construction. So I don't. Disney is strong enough now that they can just kind of add to their parks and be okay. Right, and, and that's kind of what they've been doing. But and I know that like 15 years ago or so, there was a lot of rumblings that Disney's going to put in a thrill park with roller coasters. I think that would be so incredibly off-brand for Disney. They'd put it in, and then they would change it to like, a, look at California's Adventure. That's what they try to do. Oh, we're going to make it a midway, and we're going to make it a pier. Guess what? It's not. Right now, it's like Pixar themed. You know, it's off brand. Mm-hmm. It hurts the brand in a lot of ways. A lot of people can do it. Disney can't because Disney's That's standard true. is set up here. You know, but you're right. You're right. I mean, it's um, the fifth gate will come someday, but it would be difficult to kind of like guess what the theme would be. I've heard Disney villains, but Universal's going to have a whole villain section to Epic mm-hmm. Universe, from what I understand. So then again, they both have studios parks. You know, so true. I don't know. Anyway, story number two. Now, before you go off the Universal, um, and I didn't see that, that on here, but uh, also in an IAPA bulletin today, there's a, uh, maybe it was an IAPA bulletin, I, I don't recall where I read it today, that in 2024, the Spider-Man ride uh, experience, a 3D ride at Universal is going away in 2024. Is it? I, I read that today. Oh. Uh, maybe when, when you put this out on the the. Uh, the uh, when we publish this, we can put the link out there to it. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, we'll have to link to that. That hurts my heart. I love that ride. <laughs> you know, but I, I love remember that ride. When I first rode that back in 2000, when, when the park opened, it was hands down the most incredible thing I'd ever been on. It was it was so intuitive. I'd never seen anything like it. The right. experience. And then I remember when when I went down there, and I'm I'm a I'm a line snob. If the line's longer than 20 mm-hmm. minutes, I don't ride it. Right. And. Uh, the, the line just happened to be 15 minutes when we went down back in November. And I remember, I was like, eh, it wasn't quite the experience I remember. Because I have to admit, I'm, yeah, okay. So, so I, I have to admit, that. when I first wrote it, and this was probably 2009, I thought it was the greatest thing in, in the mm-hmm. history of the world. Then I wrote it again in like 2012. And I remember thinking, nah, I remember this being better, like yeah. less screens and stuff. Uh, with that being said, it is excellent. Like it, yes. it's so, there are so many like innovative moments and stuff, but Universal, from what I understand, is having some sort of initiative of trying to get away from being the screen-based park, and maybe that's going to be part of it. Um, anything that they put there is going to be equally as right. excellent. It, it, you know, it is much better. And maybe even the Spider-Man-themed ride, it's just there have been so many iterations of Spider-Man since it was put in. Yeah, I, I agree. Anyway, story number two. A massive world-class dinosaur theme park planned for Hudson Valley. This is in New York. So <laughs> developers hope to build a world-class, inclusive... Dinosaur Park in the intersection of Route 17 and Barron Road in the town of Montgomery. The park will feature life-size animatronic dinosaurs, educational experiences developed by paleontologists associated with the University of Texas and the American Museum of Natural History. So, dinosaur parks. (laughs) Some of them are really cool, um, but I feel like they've been done. Maybe for different areas, I believe that uh, there have been different dinosaur parks that have popped up, but maybe this is an area that has never had one, uh, and I, you know, I'm not sure what their what research they've done to to uh, come to this decision. But I'm I'm sure that they you wouldn't get investors on board if there wasn't a demand of some sort for it. That's true, and also it's um, th- there's also something to be said about like there are kids between the ages of like three and six that are obsessed with like you have to be obsessed with dinosaurs at that age Mm -hmm. um at least the vast majority so there'll probably be a revolving door of customers from Mm -hmm. within 100 miles or so so that's kind of cool um the the dinosaur stuff i feel like just more could be done 
Um, because we get a lot of like the circular hand motion and stuff yeah. at every park, and I just think that it's um, I just think it's it's beneath it. But again, kids don't care, and they would probably really enjoy it and maybe learn something. So good yeah. for them. All right, story number three. So the Holy Land experience, ah. the holiest theme park in Orlando, <laughs> costs one hundred and thirty million dollars to build. It's demolished now. So I drove past it a couple times, uh, you know, years ago. The reason why I actually knew about it is from the, the YouTuber Adam the Woo. I think you mentioned him as mm -hmm. well. Um, I actually would have liked to have gone. It looked really cool from what they were doing. They do like the resurrection and stuff every day or on the hour. And it's like, I think it would have been neat. But I, I think that if you go on vacation, people that are like super religious. I know that uh, when I was in college i worked at best buy and it was near the creation museum mm -hmm. got a lot of people from kansas and play like you know the rust belt bible belt areas that um that came in hundreds and hundreds of miles to go to the creation museum um i maybe they just weren't orlando people you know i, I don't yeah. have any data to back it up but that's all i can think of you know yeah i i know that uh driving through i4 from the sometimes from the airport or uh, from downtown to get out to the the resort area driving past it hey, i like roman history yeah. And so they had the, the, the replica of the Roman Colosseum. I, I think it was a Roman Colosseum. I've never been to the park myself. But uh, it, it was one of those you drive past. And, like, it would be kind of interesting to, to go through there. And I read the, the article that you have here. And they had Broadway, excuse me, Broadway, Broadway style shows. Yes, yes. Which, which would be kind of, uh, kind of unique. Uh, I think I, I don't know that I have any firsthand account experience of people that have been there. Right. That I can relay. But uh, it, it sounds like it would have been very uh, historically interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, because my understanding, and, and I'm not certain of this, again, because all, all I have is YouTube videos that I've seen, mm -hmm. is that it wasn't all, like, just biblical. They tried to make it accurate to the archaeological history of that area of the world right. during that time period, which would have been really fascinating. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's becoming a hospital. I think it's Advent Health, maybe. That's I can't find it in the article, but it yeah, is. Advent Health bought it. Um, so what's done is done. It's uh, I know that they took forever to tear it down. If you following the Adam Lewu, uh YouTube channel, you know he went there a couple times and they had part of it torn down. Then they left and then tore down more and then they left. But it was unfortunate, like a lot of things that the I believe they were operating fairly well up until about the time that the pandemic hit, and that just if it was uh, if, the, if the business was declining before then, it just it. It just killed it. Yeah. Okay. So next on to sports, uh, according to ESPN, <laughs> Florida man kicked out of SeaWorld for fishing. Oh, yeah, I, on the face of it, that's just funny. That Okay. It is kind of funny. Like, I mean, didn't, didn't they notice something interesting? The guy coming in, in through the gate with the, with the tackle box and, and some fishing poles? Maybe he had the little vest that had all the little hooks on it and like could, the bucket hat. And... Wouldn't that raise some flags in the, in the, in the line queue? Uh, uh, maybe, but... <laughs> Apparently, this is the the internet prankster YouTuber Ricky that did this, and he, he started fishing. I hope like no, not like the rare fish were injured and stuff. It's kind of funny, but I, apparently it's, he was apprehended. And you it's know. probably one of those where the headline is funnier than the actual story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is coming out of ESPN South. So Florida man kicked out of SeaWorld for fishing. Uh, you can't make up stuff like this. No. And kudos to ESPN for misspelling SeaWorld, making two words, even though it's stylized as one. <laughs> but I, I do like in the article here, in the first paragraph, uh, as, the as, as the employee stated, it doesn't matter what you're playing. That's not safe for our animals. It's not safe for you. I uh, Honestly, when I came across this, if it wasn't ESPN, I would have assumed it was like Babylon Bee or The Onion or yeah. something. Because but, it definitely reads like a, like a headline they would have. Exactly. But like, I mean... If it was some other like news source that I hadn't heard of, I, I would question it. But like ESPN doesn't do that really. Oh my gosh, SeaWorld, man, Florida man kicked out of SeaWorld for fishing. That's shocked it hasn't happened before. <laughs> All right. Um. So number five, this is actually really cool. So we we saw some of this at IAPA, but uh, in Arizona they're going to open up uh, the first ever Mattel themed theme park. Um, and they're going to have like Barbie and Hot Wheels and stuff. But they had one of the cars for the Hot Wheels roller coaster at IAPA. And it looked so good. 
Um, but this is going to be probably a super regional park. Mm -hmm. It's going to draw from a lot of areas. It's very delayed. But from what I'm seeing here, it looks like vertical construction has begun. Really? And in, in where's this going at? This is going to go, uh, it's going to be in Arizona. Um, is that uh, Phoenix? Um, Phoenix is about the only population center in Arizona, isn't it? I want to say it was I'm like I'm Tempe? usually fairly good on, on geography, but I, I haven't boned up on Arizona. Okay, let me, uh, yeah, you got to catch up on Arizona. That's top of the alphabet, so you should have yeah. hit that one already. Let me uh, let me Google it, because I don't want to say something that's wrong. Um, but, yeah, it's going to go in Arizona. Let's see here. Let's see. Uh, Glendale, Arizona. Which is a suburb of Phoenix, correct? I don't know that. I started at the end of the alphabet and started working towards the top for my geography lessons. But yeah, it's going to, it's anticipated opening for 2024. I think it was intended for this year originally, but it's just, you know, supply chain. Every park has not opened their stuff on time this year because right. of stupid supply chain problems. But kudos to them. We're certainly going to watch that construction. Um, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, and hopefully it's very successful because I'd love to see a park in that part of the country because mm -hmm. it's a little separated from like Southern California and Texas, you know, and those people kind of have to go there right. for, for quality parks. A lot, yeah. Okay. Last one. Story number six. In our backyard. In our backyard. Yeah. So mega FEC scene 75 uh, based out of Dayton, Ohio, friends of the show have sold. I, I, my, I'm my, surprised by that. Um, I'm shocked by that. They, they sold to Five Star Parks and Entertainment, uh, which is a Kentucky-based operator of family entertainment centers. Um, and uh, there was at Panama Jacks that they also owned down in Louisville, I believe. Um, so Scene 75 is award-winning. They've won several mm -hmm. uh, IAPA Brass Ring Awards. Uh, they're constantly busy, constantly having good ideas, constantly innovating. They were not hurting at all. Which to no. me means Panama Jacks, or sorry, Five Star Parks and Attractions, made them an offer they can't refuse. I, I guess because you got to think of it this way: if if it was a downturn in the economy, I mean, they they've already survived the worst. They had to be shut down entirely in 2020. It, well, even go back a little at the year before that, uh, their their flagship location in Dayton was destroyed by a tornado. I believe Correct. that was 2019. 18 or 19. It took them about a year and a half to rebuild it. Okay. They re Now, you talk about a true American story. They rebuilt it and doubled it in size. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Their flagship location at the time was destroyed by this, this terrible tornado right. that rolled through Dayton. And they rebuilt it themselves. And then immediately when it reopens, pandemic hits, pandemic they're shut hits. down for months. And so you, you put in all this investment to to uh, expand your your facility and then you i if if it wasn't the next year it, it definitely wasn't too long after that it is less than a year after. it was within four years or so no because no i'm saying the, from the time the tornado hit until the the beginning of the pandemic oh no it might have been a year or two uh, it yeah, might have been it, the next year but definitely not more than two right right well i'm saying like it with four is a huge margin of error but it was definitely right, right. before you know and, and then right right upon reopening <laughs> You have to shut down. There's nothing. There's no decision they could have made to change anything about that. Everyone had to shut down. And then when you can reopen, then people aren't supposed to touch stuff. You're not supposed to be interactive. And then you have to terrible experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a terrible experience, especially for an indoor location. Yeah. And then you, know, you survive that to the point where now 2023 things are pretty normal. Right. Um, and and now that they choose, they they survive the worst of everything. And come out looking fairly decent, and um, probably more than fairly decent, and, and then they choose to uh, to be acquired by another organization. So yeah. it's yeah, so surprising, right? So the um, the the head honcho, you know, it's a it's the Sandler family that owns it. Mm -hmm. uh, Jonah Sandler is kind of the head honcho. He's the decision maker. Uh, he's about forty ish, so it's not like he's retiring. I mean, maybe he right. is after this, but you know, but. Yeah, uh, it's intriguing. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, you know, Scene 75 locations are currently in Cincinnati, Dayton, Cleveland. yeah, Cleveland, Columbus, Pittsburgh? and Chicago. Pittsburgh closed. So okay. Pittsburgh didn't reopen after the pandemic, I think. So so since, so the three C's in, in Ohio and then, and then Chicago. The Illinois. Right, then the C in Illinois, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, still visit them and support them. They, they, they're really good people and... You know, but we'll see what happens. Uh, if you want that uh, SBF spinner 
uh, coaster, then that's a good place to get it. Yeah, they have it at Columbus. The they have it at the IAPA Expo every year. Yeah, exactly. You know. All right. Cool, cool. So, hey, thanks for being an excellent co-host standing in for Don. I Well, thank you, Don, for not feeling well tonight, I guess. Yeah, well, Don <laughs> anticipates being back next week. Um, so thanks to you, everybody, for, for listening and watching. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't yet, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast. Look for us on all your favorite podcast audio apps by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast. Links in the description. Follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. And if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities, to so shoot us a private message on Twitter. We're, we're finalizing some, but we still have some spots open. But thank you, everybody. Thank you, David, once again. Thank you, Ryan. It's been fun. We'll see you next week. All right.